You're listening to episode 223 of the Ruby on Rails podcast. I am your host, Kyle Daigle. Uh, You might not have heard me say that for quite some time, so I want to apologize in advance. Uh, When I took on the podcast from doing co-hosting with uh, Sean for such a long time, I naively thought that I'd be able to do an interview podcast every week, and then it slipped to every two weeks. And then we kind of had the holidays and then January. uh, And I realized over time that I just can't do an interview podcast. It takes a lot more time than I ever would have imagined to do only an interview podcast. So I came up with an idea. I talked to a couple of my friends um, and colleagues that do some really interesting work. And I basically invited them to come on and be recurring guests so we can have the same sort of conversations that Sean and I had about Ruby, technology, being developers, working in startups, working in big companies, working in small companies. And so I'm excited to bring you the first of that new series today uh, with my friend Joel. So Joel will become a recurring guest and I'll introduce a couple of other people over the next couple of weeks as we get the Ruby on Rails podcast back on track. So many of you have reached out to me, Kay Daigle on Twitter and GitHub and said, when is the podcast coming back? So I really appreciate everyone reaching out. Uh, It's super fun to do this, but uh, I totally underestimated how much work it was going to be doing it by myself. So I came up with a plan and here is the beginning of that plan. So uh, I'm excited. I think this conversation uh, is great. You'll get to know Joel a little bit. What he does, uh, he works uh, very differently than I do, uh, and he has a pretty cool side project that we're going to be talking about as well. So uh, this is the start of something good, hopefully. Uh, You should hear back from us in uh, about two weeks. We're going to go bi-weekly with this. Uh, And so let's get started. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Mobile Dev Plus Test Conference. Mobile software and IoT developers, do you need to learn the latest tools to develop smart, IoT and mobile software. The popular Mobile Dev Plus Test Conference is back again in San, in San Diego from April 24th to 28, 2017, bringing new mobile development training and hands-on tutorials. Learn advanced development skills from Android, iOS, to building cross-platform apps, Azure, Gradle, how to implement speech recognition in iOS apps, and much, much more. As an added bonus, Mobile Dev Plus Test is co-located with IoT Dev Plus Test conferences. Your one registration automatically gives you access to both programs with over 60 learning sessions. Choose either foundational, intermediate, or advanced skills based on the program. Choose for your skill set. HTTPS colon slash slash well.tc slash ROR Mobile Dev. Ruby on Rails listeners use the code ROR Mobile to receive $200 off their conference registration fee. That's up to $600 off if you register by February 24th. You can learn more at well.tc/ROR Mobile Dev. Again, that's well.tc/ROR Mobile Dev. So, Joel, I need to know, did you go to the Patriots parade today? Absolutely not. Oh, my goodness. Wait, uh, you said that? Not. Wait, absolutely not like you're a proud Bostonite and you won't go to the parade or like you don't like the Patriots because this might be the fastest podcast recording I've ever done. So this is that's a great <laughs> question, by the way. Uh, it's absolutely not because I live in the Green Line. And if you're if you're familiar with Boston and being on the Green Line, Fighting traffic to get down there 
on a day-to-day basis is hard enough and then you throw a parade in the mix and it's just a whole other just absolute mess yeah i mean you could get there but you may not get home for oh yeah a couple days <laughs> yeah and it's a mess it's a mess uh and the and today would have been a work is it was a working day for yeah. me yeah so um i and my client just happens to be right on the parade route, like right on Tremont street. And, uh, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't want to fight it. And, uh, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to handle all that. So yeah, I, 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 stayed out. And, and as far as like me being a conscientious, uh, dissenter against uh, Patriot nation, <laughs> that's not the case. I'm a very, I'm very much a, like, um, uh, impartial bystander in all this. Like my, my, <laughs> my in-laws are all Pats fans. They all live down near Foxborough. So it's just part of the, you know, part of the package. Yeah. And, uh, my brother-in-law even went to the game. Oh, so wow. yeah, yeah. He, uh, his, he's got good connections with, uh, his side of the in-law equation. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed watching some of it on TV, but, uh, yeah, I, I tried to stay. I tried to stay away. I stayed in my side of Boston um, <laughs> as much as possible. Why did you wish that you could? Do you wish that you could come up here? No, I don't care enough. I just like to live through other people's joy. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, it's like well, I'm looking at the photos and I was like, all right, and that's an interesting thing of working at like a large company, but one that's distributed is you don't really get the like. Oh my goodness. You know, I guess like, unless it's like San Francisco, like the giants or something, I don't know. Yeah. Otherwise it's like, eh, you know, I was trying to push for like a a holiday day or something on Monday, but it wasn't really panning out. Yeah. (laughs) Nice try. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always next year. (laughs) Awesome. You can plan ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's pretty consistent these days. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Much to the, much to the dismay of the rest of the world. I think, uh, I never realized how much people act like actively like seething, like just hate everything having to do with the Patriots. Like I could understand like really disliking them winning all the time, but it's just like, man, just the, the seething hatred is, is palpable. Yeah. So we've got the same thing here in Connecticut with like the Yukon women, since we have no professional yeah. sports and like last year they were writing articles around how they basically shouldn't play basketball anymore because yeah. they are so good. They're ruining the game. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. And, yeah. and now that we've, uh, now that I've successfully ostracized 85% of the listening audience, <laughs> um, thanks for joining me, Joel. Um, for those, uh, that don't know who you are, why don't you, uh, give us a quick little introduction, what you're up to, who you are. Um, Wow, where do we start? Yeah, um, what's so, your claim to fame? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't have a whole lot. Not a whole lot to grasp <laughs> onto there. Um, so, uh, uh, Ruby developer. I live up in Boston, as I mentioned. Um, been up here f- for almost um, just shy of twenty years now. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it, it's. Uh, yeah, just writing Ruby every day. Currently a, a freelancer, a contractor, just doing my thing, uh, floating around here and there. Um, been doing that for the past year. And before that, some startups and consultancies. I used to work at a little place called ThoughtBot uh, hmm. in town, uh, which just so happens, that's, the fr- that's where I first met Kyle Daigle. I know, small world, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a uh, training. Uh, yeah, it was like a Ruby slash testing, I think, like workshop. Yeah, I think so. Um, probably like 2007, I want to say, 2008, long time ago. Um, yeah, I remember it. I remember it vividly because <laughs> I had to bring my dog in. <laughs> my, my dog, which we just got uh, like three days before and she was sick. So I had to bring her in. So that entire like three day span uh, stand out in my mind pretty vividly. I was going to say, I'm glad you have like a reason to anchor that memory because I don't have a lot of vivid memories about that training. Uh, not that it was bad or anything. It's just, uh, you know, time, time the, the time keeps on uh, coming. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole, yeah, there's only so much room uh, in the brain. But yeah. Um, yeah. My, my dog was with me. She was sick. Um, it's quite possible that you hear her snoring in the background. So if you hear anything <laughs> strange like that, that's probably her. Um, but, uh, yeah, I worked at ThoughtBot for a little under two years and before that, uh, freelancing, but mostly, uh, just been hanging out around here, been a, trying to stay as much a part of the Ruby community in, in the Boston area as much as possible. And, um, yeah, working on some open source, working on the consulting, working on my little side project. And, yeah, let's spill the beans. Uh, oh, yeah. So that side project? Yeah. Well. Don't be shy. <laughs> don't be shy. All right. Time to go into pitch mode. Um, so little side project, it's called Shoebox uh, at Shoebox.io. Shoebox.io. Um, it is what I would call like a file upload slash image uploads as a service, uh, kind of offloading the work to, to get uh, files on customers or clients or users' computers into an S3 bucket as quickly and efficiently as, possi as possible. Um, and it was just, it was born of, of, a, of a, a bunch of boilerplate that I started seeing all the time uh, getting getting things like paperclip or carrier wave or uh, libraries of that ilk uh, set up and working and tweaked. And it just became a bit of a bore. It became a bit too much. So I'm like, oh, there's got to be an easier way. That's where Shoebox came in. Uh, just tried to, tried to make it so that it was as clean and simple as possible. And on the client side, uh, of course, there's some setup in the background, sort of like, you know, the bucket setup and course policies and um, signatures and all that stuff. I try to make it as simple as possible so that you can just drop a bit of JavaScript on your app, um, on your website, and start dragging and dropping or clicking and uploading, and boom, all of a sudden, it's in your S3 bucket. So, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. The coolest thing that's I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm a sucker for, like, really impressive little, uh, like, front pages, you know, just because, like, I don't do anything on the side <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Uh, like, to be, I just, like, took a silly little screenshot and dragged and dropped it into that little uploader to get the URL. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, it's very handy. And it, it was... It was absolutely a scratch my own itch yeah. uh, type of thing. And I I had a couple weeks, uh, I had a couple months in between jobs where I just threw everything into it. 
and uh, got in touch with a designer, a former colleague uh, that still works at ThoughtBot and um, got him to do some design for me. I was um, going to be stupid impressed because I was looking at it and I was like, <laughs> is this all you, Joel? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I've mangled. So uh, Kyle Fiedler uh, was the, uh, another Kyle, uh, was the guy who um, I got to design it. I, I acquired his services when uh, he had a little free time before he and his wife had another baby. So uh, he did a bunch of that and, you know, dis- disappeared which is good, uh, having a baby, you have responsibilities and, uh, allowed me to mangle the hell out of it. So if you <laughs> it, don't, you know, hold your, uh, hold being impressed, uh, because I'm, I was pretty good at just completely, um, massacring the styling and, uh, markup on that thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, right now it's, it looks okay. It looks pretty good. Um, he did a great job laying the foundation for that. Uh, but in the time between when he, you know, handed that off to me. I've done as best as I could and just been iterating on getting the feature set right and working with people mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm meeting the needs that they have. Mm-hmm. So that's the majority of what, I, what I've been trying to do is just make sure that everybody's happy with, with the features that, that uh, are available to them. Um, and then working towards like a bit more of a, um, a bit more of a uh, uh, launch on uh, like a, a real... Um, on a better level, a higher level. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm curious, like, uh, so how, how is this running? What, uh, what's the tech stack underneath it and everything like that? Um, well, considering this is the rails, uh, Ruby on rails podcast, I'm really hoping you're going to tell me it's PHP or something. <laughs> uh, it is, it is pretty much just rails for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I'm, it's, uh, it's in the process of being split out into uh, a couple different, uh, pieces. So, uh, I try to be as MVP as possible. Um, and, and just do everything in that one monolith. Um, and it's fine. It's worked out. It's worked out really well. Um, but over time and, and scrutiny and working along with it, the, the edges start to become a little bit more obvious, like where rails needs to end and where something else needs to start. And, uh, it's one of the things I've learned through working on this is, is you know keeping in mind what the responsibilities of of a product are and how one part can affect another part just by virtue of just deploying all the time for this app uh it's pretty small i mean there's not a whole lot that needs to happen in it but uh what became more obvious was that you know marketing stuff so like blogs and landing pages and all that stuff like that could probably live on its own um, that's gonna live on its own. Um, so that's being pulled out to a Jekyll app right now, um, or a Jekyll like static site. Probably throw that up on S3. Um, then there's like the actual services stuff. So things that do work like creating signatures, like S3 signatures, and creating the actual image transformations. Like mm-hmm. that. Those are just a couple AJAX calls from client websites. Uh, so those I would rather not bring down if I need to update like a blog post or something. Like, sure. That would kind of suck. Um, so that's getting extracted out. And the rest is like the dashboard, like the general Railsy appy type stuff. Yeah. Uh, so when those, when those edges started to become a little bit more colored in, uh, uh, darkened, 
um, we just decided to start splitting everything out. So the services side of stuff, I'm rebuilding in Sinatra. Um, uh, just cause it didn't need the, the bulk of what rails offers, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's been fun lately, like diving into Sinatra and, and really getting an idea of what rails gives you and, uh, what it doesn't, uh, or what it forces right. you to do. Um, but it's, it's been a really, it's been a great journey, like figuring all that stuff out. And I know that I've got a lot ahead of me in terms of, uh, you know, what's there and what's needed. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, you know, for folks that generally work in a consultancy environment or work as a freelancer where, you know, you have a very clear deliverable or at least hypothetically uh, Uh where you're doing some work and it's going to be done at some point and then you might work on something else and do it again. Uh, How do you compare the difference, uh, the differences or the similarities between working on this side project, which is ultimately a product you're trying to sell versus, you know, being brought in on a, a freelancer or a contract basis to work and deliver something like does the code if you were to show me both pieces of code like would it look basically the same or uh, it, it, like if we were to be honest is like is the shoebox code like a little grosser or sort of how do you uh like how do you manage that uh that's a that's a great question it depends on so on the client side it really it depends on the client and the relationship and what the deliverable looks like mm-hmm. um and I would say sh- the sh- I would say most of the shoebox code is it looks pretty good. Um, the downside of but there there's there's clearly an indication that there's one person working on this all the time. <laughs> um, and it, but I personally don't think anything looks really really all that bad because I have all the time. Well. All the time that I allow, right, uh, right. <laughs> I, I can I can go as deep or as as uh, shallow as I want with the quality, um, and I would say on the Ruby side the quality is a little better than the JavaScript side. And why um, is that, Joel? Because <laughs> I had a coworker basically ask me to write some JavaScript, and since yeah. I've like been working just in backend services for like yeah. four years now, yeah. I'm like useless, useless. You, me, and you, dude, simpatico. <laughs> uh, it's the it's the same it's the same scenario. Like I know I know a little bit more than enough to be dangerous, but I'm not going out to to like assimilate with the next uh big yeah uh javascript framework or you know build tool or whatever i just get it done um (laughs) there are no uh, i shouldn't say this there are no tests for a lot of the javascript stuff um just because just because sure there's only so much time that's part of the reason why i wanted to ask is like i feel like um especially in the rails and ruby community there's such a fervor you know, for like writing good code that's well tested and like, mm. you know, the craft of it all. And I don't think that's bad. I think that's definitely a good thing. But I think when the rubber hits the road, like a few people talk about how, you know, like there are parts of GitHub's internals that are just utterly gross, but they're still working 10 years in, you know, uh, because it served a need that the customer had that we needed to, that it was like worth taking on that risk. And so I'm always sort of curious. And when I talk to people who are working on things, whether it's for clients or for the company they work at, or especially side projects, because it's like the most well-factored, beautifully tested thing that doesn't actually 
hit a need is going to die and then it won't matter how beautiful its code was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and th- that's, that's, I just wish like, people talked about it more openly. You know? Yeah. 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 And it, it's like, I'm, I'm very anti dogma. I'm very anti cargo culting. Uh, sometimes it's, sometimes it's necessary to just kind of like latch onto something and, and, and do it because other people are doing it. But um, it's at times it can be to the detriment of of the thing that you're working on. So um, you have to be you have to be open minded and pragmatic about how you approach it. So with with Shoebox, it was like, well, the areas that need like good solid testing, mm-hmm. uh, of course, I, I'm gonna like I'm gonna look at it and be like, if that doesn't work, then the whole the rest of it is shit. So. Um, if it, but if it's like oh, this is a one-off thing and I know it's probably gonna die uh, soon, then I I'm not really gonna worry about it. Like a section of the app is not gonna not gonna be around. Mm-hmm. Then I'm mm-hmm. not gonna really worry about testing it too much. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Like I get it. I feel the same pain when I hear somebody like no, test everything. But at the same time, it's like. It's Ruby. If if you don't test a whole lot, then you know you're probably going to be bit. But that's what regression tests are for, and things like Honey Badger and, and all that. <laughs> Pager so, duty. And and, duty. <laughs> yeah, so. I just I think that I think it's I think uh, software is most interesting in those sort of boundaries, you know, yeah. because like in a perfect world, sure everything would be 100% tested. We never write any bugs, but that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I and I I haven't I haven't allowed myself to be convinced to start writing Haskell much to the <laughs> and uh, you know all the other functional languages uh, strongly typed compiled languages so um, yeah I'm not going to get there and in the in in the time being I'm perfectly fine being having a good critical eye as to what should be and shouldn't be tested but yeah man you're working on a you're working on a side project a a product that you're trying to get up off the ground, nothing will ever happen if you're just obsessing over the minutia. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what did you, what did you bring us? Do you have anything that you want to chat about in this new, not quite interview format that we're going to give a, give a run to give it a whirl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, the one of the things I've been looking at with um, rewriting bits of shoebox with Sinatra is other uh, ORMs. Um, so I've been I've been taking a look at what's out there and, and trying out some new stuff, and uh, dipped my toes into ROM RB. Have you heard about that? Taking uh, a look at that. I don't think so. But then that other one just got uh, renamed, and so I'm always worried that that's the one we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, they're they're kind of like bouncing around. But this is this is like um, uh, dry RB. I think is the pro- project, like a larger umbrella project, and I okay. could be completely wrong. Um, and there are a couple of them that are kind of floating around. There's like Trailblazer, which takes other it's like a Railsy framework type thing, but it, but it's composed of a lot of other smaller uh, open source projects. Um, but ROMRB is like 
it's an interesting it's an interesting little uh piece of work just um, for the listeners it's rom uh yes. ruby object mapper yeah because for some reason at first i was like r-a-h-m and it did not work <laughs> out so no ram ram emmanuel is not uh <laughs> is not writing his own framework uh, yeah. um but uh, in his in his uh, in his spare time, being Chicago mayor, um, though I wouldn't blame him. Um, so the yeah, ROM Ruby, uh, what is it? Ruby Object Mapper. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Um, it's nice because I'll tell you what I like about it. The compos- the idea of uh, of a lot of uh, single responsibility, like composable objects, mm-hmm. is really mm-hmm. nice, mm-hmm. and splitting apart. Things like uh, looking at your database as a repository and having that be its own thing and mm-hmm. then having a query interface, uh, and I guess they call those relations, and then ha- that being its own interface and then composing those together with a plain Ruby object, which could stand as your model. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of uh, composable elements there that you have to kind of play with. And figuring out the relationship between all those has been a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you get everything working, it's actually really nice. And you can make it look as much or as little like an active record model as as you want. Yeah, and so this seems like, just looking at this now, it seems like it really fits in if you are the type of developer that tries to make the active record model basically do as little as possible and then you mm-hmm. like encapsulate the actual actions and services or a separate class or whatever um it seems like this is going that route instead of doing the active record pattern of active record where yeah you know you can read to you know, hit the database model your objects all in one uh one pass do you, now do, do are you like generally speaking are you the type of uh, developer that tries to keep all that logic out of the re- active record models or uh in general i try in general there are spots where i do yeah. um there, there there are spots where it's just throwing way 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 too much into active record models starts you start feeling some pain there mm-hmm. but i don't i i try not to prematurely uh, refactor or optimize um, as this stuff is happening, but there are certain areas where I would lean more towards um, going that route of pulling everything out of Active Record as much as possible, like especially forms. So um, form objects are something that I started reaching for a lot more, um, and it just feels cleaner, especially when there are more when there's more than one. Uh, model that is being interacted with in a form. Um, form objects really, really help encapsulate all that. Just being able to throw validations and um, general business logic into a form object uh, and then wrap around all your active record models has been really, really nice and it's done a really good job because accepts nested attributes is just a, I would hazard, I would probably. I have opinions, and uh, I think that that one in particular is just something to avoid as much as possible. Um, and I've had bad experiences with accepts nested attributes. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like that's definitely one thing that that I would I would lean more towards. But things like taking out validations entirely, or or I don't even know. Like you can get pretty 
crazy with it, but uh, you know, I think I think Active Record does a really really good job with what it does. Mm-hmm. It just does a lot for yeah. you. Um, Interesting. But, yeah, but it's it's been an int- it's been a really great exercise in figuring out exactly how much does Active Record do for you. Yeah. Um, and it turns out it does like a lot more than you would realize. But um, in terms of in terms of having something that integrates well with Sinatra, I've been pretty happy with uh, Rom Emanuel's object relational ma- <laughs> mapper. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Um, but you guys, you guys are straight Active Record over there at the yeah yeah basically. Um, I mean, some stuff is just um, like straight SQL, uh, but the majority of everything is still Active Record. Yeah, yeah. I've been playing with views too, so throwing a bunch of stuff into into views, um, which has been nice. Um, I like that. Uh, not views like on the view layer, but database views, mm. um, which has been pretty cool, especially like full text search stuff. Uh, it's been very handy. Um, GitHub, GitHub is. Are you guys still on four? Or your <laughs> four is coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we're so we're definitely uh really desperately trying to get to master basically. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as is feasible. But um, but right now we're 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 still I think on a three two hybrid of of things as we like slowly move the app up up and up and up. Uh, through the versions mm-hmm. um it's it, you know i think the main reason to be just totally honest is like now now there are some things that are obviously more performant which is super great but at the same time we're also like sick and tired of hacking in uh fixes or updates or improvements that we can't upstream because we're just mm-hmm. so far behind uh so instead of keeping things back for so long we want to get up to speed both on ruby and rails uh so that way as we make a changes as we make performance adjustments as you know as those things all happen we can just say here's a patch and now everyone can have it which is something that you know historically github hasn't done really uh, because we've lagged so far behind the community in terms of keeping up to date yeah you read my you, you read you read my mind I, I was gonna say like as soon as you guys are up to date and caught up i'm sure that the rails core team would love to see that kind of yeah um, and like it's so so granted in my little corner of the world like working on graphql stuff there's like the graphql ruby gem which is mainly built by this one maintainer robert uh, Masalgo, and we started working with him when we started using the gem, just sort of like collaborating and talking about performance and giving patches. And it's been, it was really great. And then we announced that we're using GraphQL, and we're announced we announced like we're using this gem, and and then the gem got a ton more traffic than it was getting because before it was like a bunch of companies that were using it, but it wasn't really a huge public thing. And now it's a huge public thing, and there's actually a really great tweet you can look at like the contributions graph for the mm. repo and how it's like you know doing doing well and then like boom like quadruple 10 times the amount of contributions that it's ever had and so it's kind of funny because like for us we're we're 
just to keep up with a gem that's moving quickly takes a fair amount of time because, you know, we have to go, okay, did this introduce a performance regression? We can't just put this out to production and, and pray that the site doesn't go down. And so we have to do a fair amount of testing each time, which is like uh, is very interesting because you want something that's agile, that can move fast, that can improve itself quickly, uh, which is why we, you know, said, oh yeah, we'll just build on top of this open source gem and, you know, contribute back fixes. But we, we ran into a situation recently where we wrote a bunch of code for the for this gem and we wanted to sort of try it out first internally before we upstreamed it to make sure that you know the the improvement was like sound like it wasn't just something that is good in a bubble um and but by the time we were ready to upstream it the gems underlying like structure had changed so significantly that it was essentially not possible to just upstream we would have had to rework what we had and so then we you know to attempt to keep up and attempt to help the community we basically said all right we're gonna give up on our approach and try and match the approach of the gem but it's one of the interesting things of working at github is just that like there are so many secondary concerns that tend to slow down that adoption but we want to like we really really want to it's just uh it's it's work you know it's a decision uh whereas i think a lot of times when folks talk about open source it's uh, like oh well you should contribute back it'd be really helpful and i don't think anyone doesn't want to it's just a matter of you know you have to prioritize that as like a business function you know you have to decide that it's better to support the communities because the community is inevitably supporting you uh and that's just going to take time like someone's going to have to work at that and keep that going so i think it's an interesting i think it's an interesting mix and why one of the reasons i was excited to sort of have you uh join in as a sort of you know semi-regular guest here is because folks that have experience with rails five <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. is like it's like a interesting new mix and if you end up you know with uh when i was consulting at least you're able to work on a, a v- wide variety of projects and so you don't get sort of pigeonholed into active record you know like you have right. experience with rom or like i was looking at lotus which i think is now called hanami yeah uh, uh and like though it's it's interesting because it's just difficult to um give those things a look and a try in a serious way in our, uh, in, in my day job, you know? Uh, and so I could do like a little side project that's like a weekend, uh, or less, but I just never feel like I really grasp the thing that I'm working on. It's more just like, yep, it does what they said on the tin, uh, you know, and then back to the salt mines I go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a downside. That's, that's a big downside to, to being, part of such a large organization with so much responsibility and so much power and with great yeah. power comes great responsibility. <laughs> and, uh, I think, I think it's a, I think it's really, I think it's really great that you, the decision made by the organization was to shift gears and, and go back in a direction that benefits the project. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have years and years of, uh, uh, experience in in those sorts of things and and i think that a lot of that informs how obviously it informs how you would have approached that decision a lot of people just said screw it and and like forked it and you know kept it in the branch but uh yeah i think it's really great that you're doing that and man uh just you're preaching to the choir with regards to just how involved you can be with all these cool shiny new toys Mm -hmm. um i mean it goes it goes from just trying out new gems and projects and 
whatever language you use every day to a glut of all these new shiny languages that everyone's screaming at you to to try at <laughs> to try yeah uh every day um in this so, haskell yours now <laughs> oh no 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 that, it, i mean it's one of them i mean between haskell and go and uh elixir and you know every like the 300 javascript frameworks out there uh, what about crystal now that's i think the other one that's uh i was talking to mike Parham about that a little bit a yeah months ago yeah crystal crystal is really compelling I, i'd love to i'd love to work on that and 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 try something out with that like i have a couple ideas for small little things just at home to mm-hmm. to play around mm-hmm. uh use crystal to play around with um but yeah like crystal is definitely one of them i mean there's there's so many i just feel like everything is rust I mean, there's, <laughs> there's more, there's more than, uh, I could ever possibly try to yeah. uh, wrap my head around, but remember the good old days where it was just uh, CGI PHP and Ruby. <laughs> I do. I really <laughs> and, do. And I was, I was never really in the Microsoft based technologies cause I couldn't afford any of it. And so, uh, uh I, 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 I missed that whole part of my you dodge that bullet. You dodge that bullet. Yeah. Yeah. I did ASP classic. I remember those days. Oof. It's interesting watching it all come back around though. I feel, uh, like Microsoft recently, uh, being able to use, is it ASP.net? Mm-hmm. Something, you know, on a bunch of different platforms. And, uh, I don't know. I, I find it, I find it interesting just how the cycle kind of continues and, uh, what's new is old and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've just, I've pretty much given myself the permission to just not worry too much about it and enjoy doing what it is that I do and what we do yeah. and not stress out too much about it. Um, I mean, it, it just turns into so much noise that, uh, you know what, I, I'm more concerned and happy making products and solutions than I am tinkering with the innards of a toy. I, I was that way, you know, 10 years ago, but now I would much rather build something and it's the something and not the, the tool used to build it that I care about too much. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, every once in a while you'll feel that tug, but in due time, good sir. All in due time. <laughs> awesome. Well, Joel, I've really uh, loved having you on. Hopefully, we can make this a semi-regular thing. Sure. Uh, yeah, talk about talk about a lot more new stuff and what you're <laughs> up to while I uh, pull my glasses down upon my nose to understand what's going on. <laughs> the The tables have turned. Usually, I'm like the crotch, crotchety old man. Um, but yeah, this was this was a great time. I had a, I had a really good time. So thanks for having me on, Kyle all right that was that went pretty well we're, we're back in the swing of things we'll see you in two weeks if you want to chat with me or ask me any questions feel free to hit me up on twitter at kdaigle or you can email me by going to my website kyledaigle.com until next time thanks for listening to the ruby on rails podcast